Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Selma, Still Alice, The Shawshank Redemption, Leviathan, Boyhood, and more. On March 27th, Michael Fierstack and Del Bell play an all-ages license show at the E-Bar. On Sunday, April 19th, at Harcourt United Church, Michael Harris reads from Party of One about Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper and this country's radical makeover. The Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. I'll take your soul and your merchandise. Creative Control with Beach Comic. On this episode, Andy Kindler and I have a wonderful conversation about comedy and what should and shouldn't be happening in comedy. I think, at least according to Andy. I also talk about David Letterman, who Andy uh, has had a relationship with David Letterman's show for quite some time. Uh, we talk about music a little bit. We talk about uh, Marin, the new... Uh, Upcoming season of Mark Marin's show, Marin, which Andy has been on frequently and will be on. He's also on Bob's Burgers. I don't know if we talked about that that much, actually. Anyway, it was a good conversation. He's a good man. He's playing a, a date in Canada this uh, week in Winnipeg. So that's kind of the nature, the, the rather the reason for the call. But uh, I think it was good. I think we got along quite well. He's, he's a good man. So this is myself and comedian extraordinaire... Andy Kindler. On Saturday, March 28th, CFRU presents a live performance from Guelph's own Eloquent, one of Canada's leading hip-hop producers and beatmakers. The show will also feature Etiquette, a dreamy new synth-pop project led by Julie Fader and Graham Walsh, who will be celebrating the release of their debut album, as well as Toronto's program, performing their own unique brand of psychedelic and electronic shoegaze. 
This event is all ages and licensed and takes place at Silence, a physically accessible venue located at 46 Essex Street. Tickets are $10 at the door, with doors at 8.30 p.m. and performances beginning at 9 on Saturday, March 28th. It's that time of year again. Kazoo Fest is back from April 8th to the 12th with bands like Deerhoof, Absolutely Free, No Joy, Phaedra, Scott Merritt, Motem, Homeshake, Lido Pimienta, Blimp Rock, Fetnat, Alana Gurr, Tyson and the Trepids, Fist City, Squeezy C, Black Spirituals, Tyvek, Her Harbor, and more than 25 other musical performances. Also featuring visual art installations, dance and multimedia performances, the Print Expo, and ending with a pancake breakfast. Kazoo Fest is presented by Wellington Brewery, The Cornerstone, Bookshelf, Mike Von Den at Home Group Realty, and CFRU. For accessibility information and further venue details, please visit the website at www.kazookazoo.ca. Okay, here we go. This is what we were talking about. Our next guests are an acclaimed rock and roll band from Brooklyn. Oddly enough, I'm having trouble holding this steady. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, (laughs) send in a tape. Uh, uh, It's called the uh, Stay Positive. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program, The Hold Steady. Andy Kindler is a stand-up comedian from New York City who is currently based in Los Angeles, California. Best known for frequent appearances as himself on The Late Show with David Letterman and recurring acting roles on shows like Everybody Loves Raymond, Marin, and Bob's Burgers, Kindler is a hard-working road comic who fearlessly assesses and critiques the comedy industry, both in his act and in his annual State of the Industry Address at the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal. Kendler will be performing at the Park Theater in Winnipeg on Friday, March 27th. And here to discuss some of what I just said is Andy Kindler. Uh, hi, Andy. How are you? Very nice job with the uh, credits. Did I do a good job? I feel like I stumbled a little bit over the last bit there, but was I? It was accurate. Is that what you're commending me for? Is that what we've come to? That you? Well, just... I think you were able to. Re- I think you were able to read. Um, uh, well, I'm not, I mean, you're, you're not pretending you made it up, but, um, you're able to, uh, read stuff from my career and not make it sound dry. You, you know what I'm saying? You took, you made it come to life. Oh, well, I, thank you. I suppose I, this is a, a thing I do all the time. Uh, no one has stopped me to compliment the actual delivery. They often are like, oh my gosh, that was so flattering. I, can I, can I use that? That's what I get all the time. But <laughs> well, that's true. I was gonna that that would have been my alternate take on that reaction. <laughs> it's a thing that I've noticed more and more that's happening on podcasts and radio shows, where the guest will be like, "Wow," and they just spend a couple minutes talking about how great the introduction was. Happens here all the well, time. Well, the other well, the other thing is is that it's uh it's always uh, comedy gold to uh, make a comment about your own resume. Mm-hmm. So I can say of um, one of a very uh, there's one of a few ways I can go. I can go with the uh, wow, that's impressive, whoever that guy is. Or was that my resume? Wow, 
oh my God, I have to sit down. <laughs> my own credits have stunned me. Right. I, this has yeah. happened. So this... pick, pick out any of those and then re-edit the whole show. Right. That's right. And then, then that could be the whole content. Of, how was your interview with Andy Kindler? Well, we just mostly talked about the introduction. That was all we did. That's the way it works sometimes. Well, I'm very deconstructive. Yes, that's true. I've seen you do this in person where you will tell a joke or you will recite something that just like I did. You will recite something sort of that was written and then after delivering it, you spend time, you know, in a meta way, breaking down what it is you just said. Well, don't say too much about it because you're getting into my trade secrets now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're, right, you're, right, you're, right. you're almost like revealing where the milk goes in the milk in the newspaper trick. And by the way, if you're going to do the milk into the newspaper trick, don't drink the milk uh, before you do a podcast because uh, we have heard <laughs> that milk is bad for your pipes. That's what we've heard. You and I have both been given this advice by people. That Well, I went to a voiceover audition once. for I, 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 The only voiceovers I get are recommendations. You know Andy. Why don't you put him in your thing? Mm-hmm. But when I went on these auditions, it was terrible. I mean, I, I didn't mind the auditions, but I never got anything. But then I had this one voiceover agent who was kind of like full of himself. And he was giving me all the different things that you're supposed to not do. And that's one of them. Don't drink coffee with the thing. And the, but you're also supposed to eat a green apple or something. A green apple? Specifically a green apple. I think it was a green apple, like oh. a Granny Smith, if that's green, because it 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 it, it supposedly makes your saliva gra- glands produce more saliva. Oh, that's interesting. I never heard that. I've been told to eat a banana before uh, going on. Well, I think someone's just telling you that in case you have low blood sugar. Oh, really? I don't think that's that's not voiceover related. I was uh, it was a monkey who told me this, so maybe uh, maybe I should actually <laughs> reassess. That advice. Yeah, reassess the source. Consider the source. Yeah. Now, but, you know, the point is, when I left that, uh, when I left, uh, every time I would leave that voiceover guy's office, I just was enraged. So I almost didn't want to eat. <laughs> uh, I wanted to come in with dried apples and say, yeah, they're green dried apples. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Because anytime anybody gets that into what uh, to being the teacher, it's, uh, you know, I can't take it. You know, don't I, tell me, don't tell me how to do. Don't tell me there's a big uh, rigmarole doing voiceovers. It's clearly someone talking into a mic. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen uh, Bob Dylan a number of times, and only in the last few have I noticed him drinking what I presume is water or something. He seems to go a long time singing a lot of stuff without drinking anything, and I was always baffled well, by that. Well, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. But what you're talking about now sounds like a book. You know what I'm saying? What do you How, mean? What? Uh, comparing comparing uh, rock and roll singers or any kind of singers. Well, you can start out with the worst case scenario, which is Marco Rubi- Rubio. Oh, that horrible. Marco Rubio. Yeah, the water thing, the water ho- bottle thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where you could see this evil, evil. I, I threw an evil. I, I, <laughs> I guess just go with despicable. You could see this despicable... Uh, uh, but I don't even know what to say about him. He's just self-aggrandizing. Uh, anybody in the GOP who, if you're a Republican and you're not, you know, maybe you just vote Republican. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't like him. What do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> when you're when you're in there, 
uh, when you're trying to stop immigration and your your hook is that you're from uh, Cuba, it's not good. But when he was drinking that water, I mean, it just was like, that's it, game over. I would never trust him, even in a, a, if, a if, if an emergency happened at a party, let alone his finger on the trigger. Yeah. By the way, they don't have they don't have a a, a red button anymore that you press. You're just giving us some free info there. There's no red button. We can just no. Okay. No, it's all di- it's all digital. <laughs> <laughs> it's some kind of. They just need Wi-Fi in a coffee shop, and they can. That's what that, that's the, the technology has advanced just to make it easier <laughs> to push the nuclear button. <laughs> I uh, just read an article that suggests you previewed some of your planned remarks at the uh, Just for Laughs uh, festival on a on a podcast. Is that is this actually true? Did you do that? Um, whose podcast would this be? I don't know. I didn't. Is this like a mystery? Is this like let's make a deal or or like name that line? No, I could if you want. I can Google it. I just didn't make note of the. Uh, maybe I was being prideful because this is a podcast and I didn't want to plug someone else's, but. I read that you, on a podcast, you talked about Ricky Gervais a little bit and that it might be a preview to your State of the Industry address. Oh, I, I don't remember that exactly. Yeah, well, you know, what happens is, is that it's um, March now, so uh, I, it's going to be in July, end of July. So I'm not really geared up yet because things that bother me now probably won't bother me in the summer, but certainly... I will be chronicling all of Jimmy Fallon's viral videos because that's what it's all about, my friends. It's all about, forget even watching the show. Just get 10 seconds of something. Yeah. Something wacky. Carmen, Cameron Diaz doing a, a egg and spoon toss, whatever it is. Uh-huh. Jimmy cracking up. I could watch endless vines of Jimmy cracking up. But I can say that I can say that I probably will still find Ricky Gervais disturbing this summer. Um, I just think anybody who goes to his tw- Twitter account or listens to him talk, come you have to come away with the conclusion that he is he is that David Brent character, which was so hilarious on the original Office. Right. It's not so hilarious when you realize that is him. You really feel that he's, way, huh? Yeah, I do. Because he's on his he's on his uh a Twitter account uh talking of, you know, uh trashing people because of their weight, calling people stupid if they're not an atheist, which I'm just tired of in general. Yeah. I'm just I've had it. I've had it up the year. Have you engaged with his Twitter account? I I did a thing where I was so tired of it, and I am also a huge fan of the office, but I was so tired of it that I responded to Ricky Gervais all I wrote was, are you an atheist? And then all right. all of his fans just ganged up on me. Like, I didn't even, I was surprised that, that that was one of my first indications of how Twitter worked. He just, everyone just like saw that and was like, you idiot, of course he's an atheist. What the? And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny to me. I thought that they would be also just uh, slamming you because who do you think you are? Because, you know, even if they got the sarcasm of it, that they still would be like, it's the most, what's happening with him, what's happening with him and the people who follow people like him are, is, is really is the, the part of Twitter that you could see uh, all of the ills in the world yeah. compressed right there. 
Yeah. Because here's a guy, all he does is say terrible things about, you know, he calls you an idiot if you're not an, athe- uh, an atheist, uh, which uh, I don't want to get into it, but there's no science in atheism. And also, uh, it's all guys like him, their their concept of what spirituality is, is uh, they're fundamentalist atheists. Yeah. It's like they think, they think, they never at age 12 or a 7 or 6, whenever you realize, oh, I guess the Bible's not literal. They never, they, they're just realizing that now. Right. And they think everybody who has any kind of spiritual uh, anything, that that's what they mean. Oh, what's your God? Because he's always like saying to people, hey, what's your God like? Oh, your God. Oh, okay. How about my God? Get at least more than a rudimentary, he has zero knowledge about what he hates. Right, and then the other part of it is is this is this sycophantic Twitter account area where he has all these other accounts that he just retweets all Gervais fan art, Gervaisaholics, Gervais quotes. Oh, those are his accounts. I didn't know that. They're not his accounts. They're not his accounts, but they're big fans of his. Oh, I see. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he inter that he interacts with continually. So you're retweeting amazing compliments that this Gervaisaholics or whatever. It's more. It's like so. It's like oh look, oh, what a what a pleasant surprise. Look what they said about me over here. <laughs> that I retweet thirty thousand times a day. And then the other thing is that he actually does think that the more things he has in life makes him a better person. Because he's always you know he's come back at me sometimes. Uh, um, he hasn't blocked me, but he's come back at me sometimes with like, uh, oh, uh, Andy would have made it if he wasn't so angry. I and mean, it's like everything with him is, did you make it? How many mansions he has? How many awards he has? Because the, the classic one was when he, you know, he does animal rights stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of the classic ones was when he, uh, he tweeted a photo in front of, uh, he, he was saying, the only trophy hunting I do and of course, I'm not putting down the the animal rights stuff, obviously. But he, but he's uh, he's well, the only trophy hunting I do is this or something. And it's him in front of his award case where he stores all of his awards. Yeah, I, I I've seen this too, and um, yeah, so self serving. I understand that. <laughs> have you have you two interacted beyond Twitter? You say he's responded to you on Twitter. Have you ever encountered him? Have you met him? No, I, well, I, when I was just a huge fan of The Office. And he was on Letterman one of the first few times. I passed him in the hall because I had done a field piece. I, I do field pieces yeah. uh, for Letterman. So I did a field. Uh, so, you know, I said something about him like, oh, I'm a huge fan. He said cheers. And that was the only time. Okay. But then he has. Uh, uh, so I have not encountered him since then. But uh, he definitely knows that I'm trashing him and he responds. Hmm. Uh, hmm. He's responded about five or six times, I think. Usually. Uh, Usually, in a sideways way, you know. Um, like, do you, do you think is, do you think he's aware of your station as a working comic? Like, does he does he know who you are? Do you, you wouldn't know that, I guess. I think he knows who I am only because I annoyed him. But I don't think he's, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't think he's someone who's going to be. Oh, this guy who annoys me is a comic. Maybe I should explore more what he does. I think he'd much mm-hmm. rather. Look at me as a as an annoying flea, you know. <laughs> right, right. Because uh, that's part of his thing. I'll get. I want to get back to people like Gervais in a moment. But you mentioned Fallon, and when I saw you open for Mark Marin in Toronto in 2013, I think it was, you criticized Jimmy Fallon in your act, and it occurred to me today 
that you also actually went after Robin Williams that night. Um, I'm just curious. You mentioned Fallon, and I want to dig into where this criticism comes from because it's very intense. Uh, What do you think of Jimmy Fallon exactly? Like, where does this hatred of him come from? Have your your thoughts about Robin Williams changed uh, subsequent to his passing? Well, the thing about Robin Williams, I mean, they're two separate things. I mean, Robin Williams, I always had this, reaction to his comedy so I always would make fun of his stand-up but I thought he was a you know uh, I, I enjoyed movies he was in I remember you know a few movies I, I saw him and I enjoyed and also he was somebody who was very uh, obviously sad when he passed away and I have friends who knew him and mm-hmm. you know I, I just feel like uh, uh, the thing that's hard sometimes is to separate am I going after someone because I really truly hate them or is it also part of the shtick that I'm doing? So with Robin Williams, I was annoyed by his comedy at certain points, but it was still sh- it's still under the guise of he's a high target, and it's uh, this is because sh- that's what I've always, always tried to do, you know, or tried to refine over the years. If I want to go after people, I want them to be public figures who are you know doing very well, so it doesn't look like I'm picking on on somebody. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. I had no desire. To, like I used to say all the time, uh, 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 don't worry, guys, I won't Robin Williams this conversation. You know, I won't be the guy that's like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> like, since he passed, since he passed away, I don't do that reference anymore because I just think it's kind of sad. The, uh, not kind, it is sad the way he passed away, and mm-hmm. so many people loved him, and he seemed to have, you know, he seemed to be a, a, a pretty amazing guy. So. In that case, it's no reason to continue. Now, the thing about Fallon, it's interesting you say that I hate him, but I don't necessarily, I don't think he's like, I don't hate him like I hate uh, uh, Dick Cheney. Did I say Did uh, I say you hated him? I just, you, you don't seem to like no, him. No, but this is interesting. No, I'm not even accusing you of anything. I'm just saying that I always, I always get uncomfortable because I don't realize that people, yes, I'm saying such, like I, I used to do a line about Dane Cook where I'd say, uh, the Dane Cook phenomenon reminds me of Germany in the thirties. You know, all your friends are, all your friends are, are, you know, there's a guy who's yelling a lot. All your friends seem to like him. Right. But, uh, in many ways, Dane Cook is worse than Hitler because at least Hitler had a point of view. (laughs) Yes. All right. So now do I, and then on a subsequent year in Montreal, I did that speech. I said that, uh, uh, something along Adam Carolla's like Hitler, except Hitler was funnier or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they started to quote me like they quote this. Well, this year I was enraged by the coverage because people hadn't even seen the speech and they were like, "Kindler calls Corolla Hitler." Doesn't seem to be kidding. Hmm. And so obviously the opposite was true. Now in terms of people like Corolla and people like that, I've gotten upset at because I don't like like because they're saying racist things. Then I then I think that that the level of how much or if it's about Bill Maher or Richard Dawkins or these new atheists or if it's about Muslim bashing and comedians um, partaking of that yeah then I think I really am angry hmm. but with Jimmy Fallon it's more like I'm not it's hard to be angry at him because you know even the times I met him he's been very very sweet nice I'm just angry at the whole way that people are embracing him because to me there's nothing there mm-hmm. it's like people are embracing wanting to act like the thing I love about Letterman was that and I mean he's still around so uh, uh, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. that I did love is that uh, but he is retiring but uh, 
he was he was like a curmudgeon. He showed you who he was. He to me that's much more real to watch from a talk show host. To me that's like he was uh, for my generation. He was the guy because he was uh, because he could be cranky too because he was honest. Whereas Jimmy Fallon, there's no just saying how great everything is. I love this. I love that. So great. It's just phony to me. Do you see a con- As, do you see a connection between authenticity and pretense and underground versus mainstream? I feel like these two go hand in hand in comedy a little bit. Well, visually, a lot of those things that you brought up are all different. I mean, like uh, like I've like gotten in trouble, not in trouble, just, but you know, I made fun of uh, made fun of Louis C.K., who I think is very talented. But sometimes he could be a little bit, I could say, pretentious. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, that would be my criticism and not a funny criticism but it's uh it's it's true in a way that he can lean towards that whereas jimmy fallon he's not pretentious um he's just uh i don't know what anyway what i'm saying is like different people have different uh symptoms or different ailments and uh the mainstream thing is like something could be mainstream and be brilliant or it could be mainstream and be terrible most often when something gets huge it's usually not good but it's not always true. You you refer to your observations, you, at least you just did a few moments ago, as shtick. I'm I'm curious when you go after people a little bit, or when you kind of highlight things you want to criticize. Do you actually want to enhance the state of comedy, or is this kind of criticism just good fodder for you? Well, it's very hard to. First of all, when you're doing a thing where uh, I've been doing that speech in Montreal, which is called the State of the Industry since 1996. Mm-hmm. And so because I was contracted to go back there every year, which has been the greatest thing in the world for me, then I was, I'm in the role in that speech of being a critic of what's going on there. So it's a way of me focusing. So some of it is me getting on my soapbox and, you know, I've, I've been doing these jokes forever. Like, uh, jokes like, Hey, if you ever want to get into show business, take the high road, no traffic. You know, and so th- there's there's jokes like that that just basically lampoon or mock show business, and then there's other jokes that um, I'm lamp like you know when Leno Leno was given the Tonight Show job, I was so enraged by it that I'm trying to show people, hey, wake up, whether you you know, wake up and, and and become involved yourself because I think that's one of the problems with could happen when a comedy when things go wrong in a comedy club. Sometimes the comic is off, but sometimes the audience just wants to be entertained too, like they're a little drunk or they just, mm-hmm. want, they don't want, they don't want to, it's not even a matter that they have to be well read or anything, they just have to listen. And so, um, when I'm attacking different people, I'm attacking it for all kinds of reasons. I'm attacking it because I'm angry myself about it, and one of the best reactions to being angry is to come up with a joke. And so, uh, and then, if you get too much into like, I'm going to be tell you people what you should be thinking and you're going to learn from this. And I think you get into like parts of like, like John Stewart is hilarious, but then there's that part of him that's very, uh, where he's telling you, it's kind of psycho. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Molinius, no way? Yeah. Where he comes off as like, He's the voice of reason, and everybody else is kind of, and, you know, he's the, the America's conscience, you know. And when it gets into that territory, I get very uncomfortable because I'm more like in the self-deprecating field. I'm more in the Richard Lewis field of like, I, re- I remember Richard Lewis was on a show and he was giving advice. You know, it's like people say, "What's your advice to young comedians?" And I say, "Well, don't move to L.A. immediately. You know, you, you don't have to move there. You know, get really good in your wherever you live, and then move to L.A." And then he said. But what do I know? Look at me. I'm dressed like Satan at a barbecue. So to me, it's like the more you take yourself seriously, the more you start to sound preachy. And that's the line that I'm always walking. Like in the speech I do, the more it's just rage, then it can be not that funny and then also not that as effective. So when I say something is a shtick, I'm kind of half kidding. Yeah, that's right. Like Letterman Letterman will say sometimes, Letterman will say, oh, I thought this was a roast after a mean joke, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm saying like, I don't want you taking it seriously to the point like I really hate someone like Jimmy Fallon, but but I understand that it's intense because it's a comedy. No, well, you, you seem to be highlighting an issue in comedy. I mean, that's where I, that's where, I, when you make fun of Jimmy Fallon or whomever, it doesn't necessarily, I don't think, I think it's business, not personal. I think you are concerned, you're protective of the art of comedy. And, there's rage in it, and it's, you know, I think you're. There's a bit of spectacle to what you're doing. I think you know what you're doing when you go after some of these people. But to me, I hope it's coming from a place of like things could be better. We should be better than this. And well, there's there's no doubt. I'm sorry to cut you up. There's no there's no doubt that that's what I'm doing. But what I'm but the thing about it is is that uh, like and a lot of people have said to me. Because, like, you know, there's been years, like the year one after Louis C.K., where a lot of people, you know, like Louis C.K.'s friends, you know, not every one of his friends, but some of his friends were, you know, like comedians who didn't react, friends of mine did not react well. So then I got into this thing where, like, you know, it's all the same issue with me. I, you know, I have to have people, I want to be able to say what I believe, but I don't want to, you know, lo- you know I don't want to alienate my, you know, <laughs> alienate people who uh, I respect. And then that becomes a thing you can never win. So, uh, and, but the people who have been supportive of me and have actually been surprised that people, other comedians have come back to me on these things are like saying, no, that's what you, they're saying kind of exactly what you're doing, that this is what I do. This is what I do. And, and I agree, this is what I do. And it is kind of like the business I've chosen, although I don't do all jokes about that. Yeah. But I know that people's feelings can be, have been hurt. And the, so there is that part of me that I have to accept. Okay. I am going to hurt people's feelings. And then it gets to a whole thing about where I want to be a perfect human. It's like I want to be able to say these things and then have, have everybody love me. 
and then uh, and then that's just my own character stuff that comes <laughs> in, my own issues. <laughs> it's true. You want to be liked. Every time I've seen you, like there's there's a part of you that that clearly wants to be liked, and 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 so I think some people when they hear you go off on someone who's successful, they wonder where it's coming from. Like, how do you suppose your outspokenness about other comedians? relates to your own station in life. I think you just alluded to this, but can you expand upon that? Well, um, the thing is, is uh, uh, I kind of forgot. You just said one thing about, uh, just say, can you rephrase the question? Because I, 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 my mind went blank. Well, now I have to think about what I said. I think that some people, well, well the actual... Oh, okay, here's the thing about being liked. I got it. Yeah, being liked, uh, that's what it was. The, yeah, the thing is, I want to be liked... And this is a, a big difference. It's like I want, the, I want to. It's not so much. Yes, uh, down deep, I want to be loved, right? If you want to go down, right? We all want to be loved. Yeah. But down deep, but but in that moment, I want the crowd. There's no question. I want the crowd to laugh at what I'm saying. So, like, when a lot of people say, "Oh, he's fearless," you know, you know some people will say to me, "Oh, you're fearless." Well, I, I've always said, "No, I'm fearless and fearful at the same time." It's like hmm. I'm not. I'm not. My Achilles heel as a, as a stand-up is I might because I'm too plugged in to wanting the crowd to like me sometimes, and or I'm over exaggerating how they're reacting. But what I don't do is I don't ch- ever change my material to make a crowd like me. Right. You know. Right. So that's like a difference that I'm kind of proud of in a way. And the part about trying to make the crowd laugh, it's important for me to get them to like me or like my comedy. Is kind of that's I feel what my what got me into comedy to begin with was trying to make other people laugh. The unhealthy part gets to be if you get too much involved in, which is not something I have to worry about, thank God, of like, you know, oh, I better change my material so they like what I'm doing. But it's more, my, my uh, issues come with really at the core part of myself feeling bad about myself based on what other people think about me. Mm-hmm. That's not a good thing. Have That's there... something that's a lifelong goal. Right. Have there been moments in your career where you've been completely satisfied or, th- or thought, like, this is it, this is where all my work has been leading, I'm here? I would say that I'm th- I've ne- I have never been more satisfied in my life with what I do, loving what I do. And then, and then of course, that jinxes it. You know, I'm watching the thing about the jinx right now. Mm-hmm. But that jinxes, <laughs> it, uh, jinxes it right away because anything... You know, I kind of have a, a spiritual view towards comedy and like uh, I use that, uh, I'm not the first person to use this, but like the surfing analogy when you're riding the wave, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like riding the wave with comedy and um, I'm going, I'm kind of like not, I think in general, if you could say, if you knew beforehand, every show I'm going to do is going to be amazing and I will kill you, 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 part of you would go, oh, that would be fantastic. But the truth is, is that that's not the way the universe is set up. And the fact that you have all these ups and downs ultimately makes life more richer. But what I'm saying is all these breakthroughs, which I feel I've had, you know, I've talked about this a lot. That a few years ago, I had this big breakthrough. Where I realized that I wasn't saying everything that was coming to my head on stage. I thought I was, but mostly I would be yelling at the crowd or making fun of myself. Mm-hmm. And the, a few years ago, I got into this thing where I started to say, I've, whenever I felt uncomfortable, to just speak about what I'm going through. And that really released me. It was then I could talk about, oh, 
I'm sorry you guys didn't laugh at that half-baked idea that I came up with three hours ago. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and so, and that, and that, but then, like I'm saying with the surfing thing is, there's no technique that you use with stand-up that will always work. It's just more like you're putting yourself in the mindset. So I would say I've never been happier with, I've reached the pinnacle, of, you know, if you want to talk about, this is what I wanted to do, be myself on stage. I, that I could not be more thrilled about that that right. part of it. Right, and it has nothing to do with your profile being at its highest or anything like that. This is just, this is a self-propelled feeling almost. It's a self-propelled feeling. And, you know, one thing about about aging is unless you get more fucked up as you get older, I don't know, I'm sorry about the language. I don't know. That's fine. You yeah. Can, you, can say whatever, uh, you can say whatever you want, Andy. Uh, as you get older, you, and you really have seen, like that, you really get it in your gut that being rich won't solve all your problems, or having your own sitcom won't. won't. I mean, when you really can say, "Of course, I would want," you know, I say, "I would want to be a, being a millionaire wouldn't want to wouldn't solve your problems." Yes, I would love to be a millionaire. <laughs> I'd love to have no money problems. I mean, my big thing that's gotten me depressed over my life is. You know, especially when the recession happened here, it was just not about how I do comedy, not about where I was creatively, but just like, hey, can I make the can I pay the bills? Yeah. Uh, but the but when you get, but I would say that most, not most, but many comedians, actors never get past the ambition. I've got to make it stage, and and it actually I think blocks people from moving forward creatively because they're always just gauging it from the outside in of how successful they are. Right, right. Okay. So I've let I've let almost all of that stuff go, but I still like, you know, I, I don't want to lie and say I don't get up in the morning and sometimes go, hey, how come I, I've never been in a movie. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you still have aspirations, but you're taking things as they come. I'm well adjust- definitely well adjusted in that area. Yeah. You and I, you and I, you and I, you and I met very briefly at South by Southwest in 2009. You were about to introduce, I feel like it was the Hold Steady at an outdoor afternoon showcase. I don't know if this is ringing any bells. It was so terrible. It was terrible. (laughs) Was that, is that right? I hated it. I hated it. (laughs) In fact, I think I was emceeing the whole afternoon. Yeah. I hate, and, and this band did something to me. I, I, it's now coming back, unfortunately. I think uh, the band came out while I was not hold steady, because I had known those guys. I they had done a piece on the show. Yeah. But another band it was like a punk band or whatever. They came out as I was talking. Oh no. Yeah. The, and that made me very upset. Yeah, the bands I was with uh, the, on that trip had to hit the road. So I I just saw you and I said, "Hey, Andy, big fan," and you were like, "Thank you." And then I had to split, but. I'm curious, was there a particular reason you would have been emceeing that show? Was it just the whole Steady asked you or something? Do you have like a strong connection uh, to music uh, otherwise? I do have a strong connection with music because I was a musician before I was a comedian. But in this particular case, it was uh, it was because um, uh, at the show, uh, Tom uh, Tom Ruprecht, who was a, a writer on the show, he's friends with the whole Steady. So we did a uh, did a thing where I visited them uh, for Letterman, like a like a field piece. Yeah, yeah. And then and then somehow that got uh, translated to me um, emceeing this outdoor thing at, at, at South by Southwest, which was just awful. <laughs> but yes, I do play I play guitar and I write songs, and that's what I was doing before comedy. Huh. And uh, so I, I I would like to consider myself musical. 
Uh, did you did these get did these see the light of day? Do we know these songs? Did you play with a band that we might know or anything? I wrote uh, "Stairway to Heaven." Oh, I was also wrote uh, "Shut Up of Your Face." <laughs> do, do you know that song? I do know that. Yeah, what's the matter, you? What are you gonna do? That one? Yes. If you ever want to, if you ever want to, if you're a fan of that song, yeah, uh, then you might enjoy me and Todd Glass doing it for about three hours that... on his podcast. <laughs> okay. All right. Improving it, improving it. <laughs> Why you have a problem? I told you about the screaming. You should stop it. There's nothing more to prove. Now come on, now. What do I gotta do? Hey! Oh my God! Not it's... so much for the not so much for the talking. Yeah, we did that for three hours. <laughs> so you you have a musical background. Is there any current musician that irks you as much as uh, any comedians that you have criticized? Uh. In, in, in terms of music? Yeah, well, in musicians oh, in terms of mind, music, yes, yes. I have ADHD, I have ADHD, and in fact, I keep calling it ADD because I can't focus on what the actual <laughs> name is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it's like, I, like, I wake up in the, like, here's a joke for my act. I wake up in, every morning and I, rem- and I don't know who Adam Levine is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then by noon or one o'clock, it becomes crystal clear who Adam Levine is. Then by nighttime, I forget about Adam Levine. And the next day, I wake up with no memory of Adam Levine. So I know there's all this kind of... Is he the guy from Maroon 5? Yeah, and he's on the yeah. he's on the voice, the, the TV show The Voice. Yeah, which I can't watch. And I don't, I don't understand Coldplay. So there, I, so there, there seems to be this, there's what? always a healthy supply of terrible music. What do you mean you don't understand Coldplay? You don't understand. Why do people listen? You, Why do they listen to Coldplay? Right. Oh, you don't understand the appeal of Coldplay. You understand what they're saying. It's English, but you don't. I do understand what they're saying. But the truth is, I don't think I've ever listened uh, to more than three bars of anything. I don't. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm missing. Maybe this is not your father's Radiohead. No. I don't know. <laughs> but again, but no. I there are. But but. Uh, uh, do you love Coldplay? No, I don't know any. I the, I only know that one song that they their first single. I don't know any of their songs. I really. What's don't. the name of that song? What's the name of that song? Uh, Yellow. I think it's called the one with the. Oh, is that Yellow? No, that's another song. Yeah. So th- there's always that kind of thing. Uh, I don't like any music that sounds like you should be in ecstasy in a club to enjoy. <laughs> I don't need that. Okay. I'm not on ecstasy and I'm not in a club, but I do love groups like The National. Okay. Uh, I love uh, I love you, Steve Earle. I love Elvis Costello. I, I'm very eclectic, but I do enjoy country tinged music. You say you're very eclectic. You've only mentioned white people. Is that is that? Uh, oh, have I honed uh, in? On, have I honed in on something? Yeah, you've you've, you've opened up uh, Pandora's box because although I consider myself very very progressive. I refuse to listen to any people of color <laughs> when say, it comes to music. You say I'm very eclectic, and then you only mention kind of white people, guitar music. It's just kind of funny to me. Well, as Letterman said, when I think it was Michael Michael Bolton uh-huh. sang Dock of the Bay, as Letterman would say, and he did say, didn't Otis Redding put something in his will about no white people singing this song? <laughs> I happen to be a huge Motown fan, so that's what I grew up with. Okay. So uh, everything, but even pre-Motown, uh, Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions huge fan of them i'm very old mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then uh all of the all of the uh 60s uh soul music 
from a Sly and the Fa- and Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, I love. Now, see now, uh, and, so this and, whole and, rumor, and, this whole rumor yeah. that you're starting. Well, you about just me. <laughs> you just very purposely named nothing but black people after I. It's fine. I don't like white people. I don't like white people. Well, no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that on purpose. I know. As my friend David, as my friend David Allen Greer would say. <laughs> That's not that's not what Andy does. That's not what Andy's about. Uh, you've mentioned uh, and quoted David Letterman many times during our conversation thus far. He's retiring. You have a, a connection to him. How do you feel about David Letterman generally and, and the fact that uh, he's leaving? Well, he is my comedy hero. He is the reason. I mean, I have I, I have many people, not many people, but I mean, look, uh, uh, Albert Brooks, Letterman, Woody Allen, uh, Lenny Bruce, Richard Pryor. I mean, I have people who are, it's not just a one-person list, but for me in my career, that was the show I always wanted to do. That's the show I dreamed about doing. And the fact that because he asked, he reached out to have me do these field pieces. That's why I did these field pieces. So That's remarkable. I, it's the greatest experience I've ever had. The last two sets I've I've had on the show, which are available online for anyone who likes it. It's not available. You can just watch it it's not <laughs> for pay. Uh, so is, there's never been a better experience. I was able to tell him after one of the sets recently, I was able to thank him. And, you know, I really hasn't sunk in for me yet. I think I will be extremely sad, but I'm blocking it because he's still on the air. Yeah, I'm the but, same. I'm PVRing every episode, and I haven't even watched them. I just am, I'm, I, and the PVR is getting full, but I, my plan is just to PVR everything, and then when he's gone, I'm just going to watch them all, maybe, uh, because it's, uh, yeah. it's hitting me. I'm, a, I'm, I'm younger than you. I'm 37. I presume I'm younger than you. I'm sorry. That might have been presumptuous. But No, I'm way older than you. I, I have, as I said, at Dave, and not to drop names, but at Dave Foley's, I think, 50th birthday, I said, Dave, I have socks older than you <laughs> because things have not gone well for me. <laughs> anyway, I just, uh, I commiserate. I'm, I'm, I was very sad when he made the announcement. I knew it was coming. What do you make of the show? I know, you, anyway, you can't talk about it. He's too close to you. Because you're a guy that, oh. you, you eviscerate people I think on some level as fans, we both know that the show has been kind of on cruise control for the last few years, right? Can you say that? No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that because to me, he has every time he opens his mouth, he's still hilarious. Yeah, and true. And when he does those little desk pieces, so I would say when before his, when he had the heart thing, yeah, I think there was. He would even say there were years that he was feeling very not good, but once the hard thing happened, something happened to him, and he has been straight on brilliant since then. Now the show doesn't do this a lot of the stuff that it used to do. Yeah, you know, but um, uh, I think that he's still. I think that he wants to. You know, I, I, I when he says he wants, to, I really do think he loves. He, he loves his son Harry so much. I think he wants to be around for him in these next few years. Oh, but I know that also that he doesn't, as soon as he said he wants to retire, he doesn't want to retire. So it's, uh, it, I'm sure he has mixed feelings about it. But the other thing that is, I think is kind of cool about the whole thing is because obviously the universe got screwed up when Letterman was not given the Johnny Carson spot, just like Johnny Carson and yeah. everybody wanted. Yeah. I, I do think that there could be nobody better than Colbert to come in. Yeah. 
And I'm actually looking forward to that because I love Colbert. Yeah. And uh, no one's going to be like Letterman, but it would be nice to have someone in late night that's like, I think it could be the great, in many ways, I think it could be like the greatest show ever, uh, Colbert. I'm, I'm excited. Not greater, than, not greater than Letterman, but different. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm totally excited too. Well, uh, Andy, I uh, sorry, you just said something that intrigued me. You said that since he said he was retiring, he doesn't want to retire anymore. Where are you is that just from stuff he said on the air? Oh, or? oh, he said it on the air. He said it on the air. Like as soon as he said it, he regretted it. But I think it's like any any make a decision like that, you know, uh, uh, you are going to have whatever buyer's remorse or seller's remorse. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. The thing about Letterman is I, I, I have never spent any time with him like uh, outside of the studio, but I've gotten to see him. I feel so lucky that I would get, you know, when I would show him a video piece, uh, we would talk in between, you know, as we're rolling the piece, he would say a couple of things to me. Mm-hmm. And the guy is like definitely, uh, he fits all the uh, characteristics of a true like curmudgeon. And he's <laughs> hilarious. So I think he does have that very much like uh gruff attitude about everything yeah and so i think he's also very hard on himself which is amazing to think of like uh i guess maybe it's a it's a defense mechanism about not getting a swelled head but he has to know how much so many people feel like they owe their careers or that he was their hero you know yeah no absolutely he was a he was basically a teacher to me he doesn't know it but uh, and I, you know, I haven't really uh, cashed in on all the things he's taught me, but I, I do think that uh, for a lot of people, my age, your age, uh, you know, multi generations, he's the guy. And and uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, now you're making. Oh, 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 I just wanted to make one thing that I meant to say. It was that I meant to say like, so I'm sure, just like he is about everything, he's I'm sure very hard on himself about the decision. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, Andy, uh, I I, I want to ask you what's next uh, because uh, you know I know you got the show in Winnipeg, <laughs> and you've got when is this uh, when is this coming out? Well, this will be out just ahead of your show. Oh, beautiful! You know, I have the thing in Winnipeg, and that should be and that should be enough. But I'm also going to be on uh, season three of Marin. I was going to ask. I just got the uh, newsletter from uh, Mark uh, Marin today. I think it was, and it said that season three just wrapped, and that it's going to debut May fourteenth or something like that. Oh, that's great! I didn't know it was so soon. So that I'm that I'm still the voice of Mort on Bob's Burgers. Yep. And then uh, eventually, when uh, I will release this comedy CD that I recorded like over a year and a half ago. Okay, good. A year or three months ago, it's going to be called Hence the Humor. So look for that. <laughs> but do you have a plan? Is there a plan? Is, is, is are things still being worked out detail wise in terms of uh, when? It, it's what? AST Records. The special thing records, okay. AST. Uh, but we we're supposed to have had it out by now. So I plan to make it a big launch. I plan to make uh, to 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 try and promote it. Yeah. And I plan to annoy people by the time I'm done. Good work. That sounds good. And and how many episodes of Marin are you on? Do you know? I mean, you would know. Do you? I I did three this year, and so I think I've been on at least two or three every year, all three seasons. So for the upcoming season, you're on three. Is there anything you can tell us about these uh, episodes? I could tell certain things, but uh, I do think that somehow they would fire me. Yeah, no, I was trying to get you fired, and I just wanted to see if you would fall for it. Mark, I become, I become, I live inside Mark's brain. It's like one of those uh, 
Herman's that Head? That movie was... Well, more like Steve Martin and, uh, and Lily Tomlin, which I didn't see that movie. All of Me? Inner Space, something like that. No, All of Me is... All of Me. All of Me is a fantastic film. Inner Space, not as good. I didn't see it. I'll take either one, though. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I think we should all watch All of Me, uh, actually, because that's a great one. Now, uh, well, yeah, that's it. I got nothing else. Once again... I can't say this. I can't say this. <laughs> Go ahead. I will be appearing with Dave Anthony and Mark again in scenes, which I did a lot in the last season. Oh, okay. That's... I I can reveal that. That's a nice clue. You know, if you see Mark, Mark and I had a couple of good conversations, and then, you know, now he's like, doesn't return my emails, and then I get diverted to some agency people, and they don't give a shit about me. If you see Mark, and you remember that you spoke to me, Vish, eh. I will definitely, I will definitely uh, talk you up, because this was a great interview. You did a wonderful job. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I want to tell people... You did a really great job. Well, you don't... And the thing about... (laughs) The thing about Mark is that it's like he doesn't. It's it's, it's just all it is is how busy it is. It's nothing to do with like avoiding anything. No, I'm not taking it. Who am I? You know, I'm not. I'm a nobody really. But I appreciate that uh, he and I have. I value the interactions I had with him, and uh, I'd like to talk to him again because he means a lot to me as well. Anyway, thank you for the compliments. I want to say once again, Andy Kindler will be performing live all over the place in the next few months, including a stop at the uh, Park Theater in Winnipeg on Friday, March 27th. Uh, Andy's on at 8 p.m. For more information about this, please visit parktheatervideo.com and andykindler.com. They have video in their domain name. I don't know what that... I love it. It's good, yeah. It's more people should have it. (laughs) I have have VHS in all of my... uh... Uh, address uh, uh, web addresses. Yeah, andykindler.vhs.com is uh, where to Un- learn more. Unfortunately, that's gonna. Unfortunately, I closed week again. <laughs> Andy Kindler it was a great pleasure to speak with you, and uh, you thank know, you so much. I'm a huge fan. I wish you the best of luck. I wish uh, I wish you the best of luck. You did a, again. You did an amazing job. <laughs> hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at vishcreative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at cfru.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.